apologize. I was a little under the weather, but I'm, I'm going to start. Uh, the, the date on your bulletin actually is last week's date, so the, the, the material is still good. Uh, we're going to cover it today, and it's, this is actually a two-part lesson, and I, I love the, the thrust of this. Uh, we've, we're going through this series called Making Home Work. And uh, we're sharing biblical truths, biblical principles on how to raise your family for the Lord. And uh, these next two weeks are going to be on this thought about uh, influence and about a parent's influence, the power of a parent's influence. And so if you have your, your outline there, we want you to follow along, but we're going to be in these verses this week and next week. 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, verse number 12 through verse number 15. And so you can follow along there or in your Bible. And so beginning in verse number 12, here's what the Bible says. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom... Thou hast learned them that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, I, I, I began to think about this lesson a couple weeks ago and I began to think about when my God allowed my wife and I to have children. I remember when our first child was born and I remember the awe of the whole thing. I remember the first time holding my, my firstborn in my arms. And I remember thinking somewhere along those first couple days, the privilege but the responsibility that comes along with raising your children. And I began to think about all the things that come along with parenting because you look at that innocent life and you think to yourself as a parent, I wonder what this child will become someday. I wonder what this child will be when he or she gets older and your parental uh, responsibility should be that you want to do everything you can to protect them, to love them, and to nurture them, to teach them things. And so influencing takes time. Uh, you think about how many times, and, and I guess they use the gauge 18 years, uh, because I guess at that stage they consider that your child is grown. Uh, of course, we realize there's still some 30 and 40-year-olds that are still not grown. But, uh, but about 18 is when they think that. And you think over those 18 years, honestly, I, you know, you'd lose track if you tried to, but there are probably millions of opportunities in those 18 years to influence your children. Now, we all understand that influence can be for good or for bad. Some of those moments of influence can be accidental, and some of those moments of influence can be intentional. I think that both are good. Uh, there have been times where uh, I found myself influencing my child, and it wasn't something I planned, it just happened. And then there's other times where I planned moments, where I would, I would teach my child, I would influence my child. Now, you know, again, sometimes, you know, your, your children get to a certain age and you, you're thinking, well, they're not really paying attention or watching. And then they're like, Dad, I thought the speed limit was 55 miles an hour. 
<laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know how to read that thing? <laughs> well, this, this, this speed limit on this road's a little bit higher than other roads, you know. And I mean, we, we influence our children for good or for bad. And we have plenty of those opportunities to do that. But we need to remember that many influences are out there. But every one of those influences are competing for one thing. They're competing for your child's heart. That's what they're competing for, is to capture the heart of a child. Uh, we're reading here this morning, and it kind of goes along with the passage we're in, and we're going to use the life of Timothy. And, of course, we understand to Paul, uh, Timothy was a son in the faith, but Timothy was a young man that had influence in his life. He, he, even though, and you study it out, Timothy didn't have a father that was a Christian. He had an unbelieving father, but he had a mother and a grandmother, according to the Word of God, that were able to influence him for the Lord. Every time I think about Lois and Eunice, his mother and grandmother, my mind always goes back to my wife because my, my, God used my wife instrumentally to influence me to help me understand that I needed the Savior. She shared the gospel with me. But I remember thinking it was her mother and her mother's mother that, that I, I looked at their lives, their influence, their testimony early on. And I remember thinking, that's why my wife is who she is, is because of her mother and because her grandmother. If you're here this morning and you have a godly heritage, you ought to thank God for that. Now, some of you might be like me. You might be what oftentimes I call a first-generation Christian, meaning you didn't have a long line of Christian heritage that really, when you got saved, you began a godly heritage, hopefully, for your children. How many of you would say, Pastor, I'm a first-generation Christian. Uh, I, I didn't come, see, quite a few of us are. And look, let me encourage those of you that, that fit that category, look here. Let it begin with you. Now, there's nothing special about any of us. What's special is about our God and about how God gives us influence. And look, let's make sure we don't squander that influence that the Lord allows us to have. Now, it's interesting when you look at Timothy's life and you study a little bit about his, his family, is right before Paul, writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, right before Paul spoke of this influence that Timothy had in his life, this godly influence, he gave in a verse here, uh, two verses, two reasons why parents need to be proactively influencing their children for the Lord. Now, I want you to look back in verse number 12 and 13. Look at it again. It says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So look at the two reasons that he states. Write it down. The first one is we need to be proactive to influence our children because godly people will suffer. Godly people will suffer. And if you're living for the Lord, you understand this to be true is, is that the devil's never on vacation. He's always fighting and that we will suffer persecution because we are a child of God. And so we that, look, that's one reason Paul states uh, that we need to be influencing our children in a proactive way. Look at the second reason that he gives is because wicked people will try to capture the attention 
of our children. They'll try to capture the attention of our children. And it, it, look, children are so easily captivated by things. Now, we need to be aware of the influences that are out there. And, I, you know, some of this, l- l- let me put it this way, I think all of this is probably nothing new to us. But we all understand some of the evil influences that are, that are out there. You do know that the television can be a very wicked thing, uh, especially in this day and hour. I remember years ago when, when we were uh, newly married and we would watch things, you know, and I've never been a preacher that gets up and preaches against the television. I've known some preachers in the past that preach on the one-eyed monster and all this stuff. You know, to me, the television is like the internet is you have to control it. And a lot of times you think about it, but, but you know, the devil is so crafty, as it says here, deceiving people that he makes something look so entertaining that it draws you in, and before long, you're watching something that, honestly, a child of God should not be watching. But watch this. The children of a child of God should not be watching. Remember, you're talking about young, impressionable lives. We're talking minds and hearts that would take it in. Television, movies, even the, the fashion industry, and many other things What they do, listen, and I know you know this, is they promote a life of promiscuity. They promote a life that, that, listen, that if you do these things, that you are free from any consequences, but we know the law of sowing and reaping. Uh, There's always going to be consequences. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. There's always a price tag on sin. Now, when you think about the, all of these influences trying to capture the attention of your child, that as a Christian parent, what you and I have been given is the responsibility to shepherd the heart of our children, to help them to mature, to grow spiritually. And listen, we need to also then be aware of the fact that there are dangerous influences out there and we need to ward them off from those dangerous influences. Look, if we see the warning signs and the bridges out, then we need to be the ones that say, listen, don't keep driving down that road, son. Uh, stay away from that. You know, help your daughter. Because a lot of times, uh, here's a good example. Growing up, I listened to probably, well, definitely the wrong kinds of music. And isn't it amazing how certain types of music stick in your head? Like Brother Kenny, we were, we were going over the Vacation Bible School stuff, and every year they get, have a theme song, and uh, you need to be here tonight because we're going to try to learn it as a church, uh, Lord willing. But, but the, the song, I'm not going to sing it for you, it's, it's Over the Moat, which goes along with the theme. Brother Kenny goes, I can't stand Vacation Bible School songs. And I'm like, why? What's the matter with you? Are you not spiritual? It's vacation Bible school. I mean, that's sacred. You know, that's blasphemy you're talking about there. And he's like, no, Pastor, you don't understand. He goes, those vacation Bible school songs, they stick in your head and you can't get them out. And so, you know, a lot of times growing up, I would listen to certain songs. And, we, we, you know, now I'm, I'm older. I have children and my children are small. And we're walking through like a store or a mall or something. And they're playing a song over the speaker. And honestly... I'm like just in there with my wife, my kids. I'm not really paying attention. And my kid is over here, and she's about this tall, and she's singing this song, but she doesn't have a clue what she's singing. 
You guys with me? But when I hear her singing it, I'm not listening to the speakers, but when it's my kid, I'm like, um, you need to stop singing that song. And, and, you know, and as a parent, when they're that big, you can pull that parent card. I don't have to explain to them what that song's about. I just need to tell them, don't sing that song. Bad song. Bad, 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 you know? And, and that, sometimes you have to do that. And, of course, they get older, and then they, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I know what that song is. And then they want to sing it because of their sin nature. But anyway, uh, so, so what we have to do is we have to help them. Now, when you think about Timothy... Uh, I, I think a lot of times we, we look at the Bible and we think, well, you know, Timothy had a great upbringing and, you know, he had the finer things and Timothy had a guarded home and all this. Well, he did have some great things in his home, but when you study where Timothy grew up, the city that he grew up in was a city much like the world we live in today. It was an ungodly place. There was a lot of sensual practices going on. And look, we have to understand that, that just like in our day, there were Christians who were trying to live for God in Timothy's day, and guess what happened? They were suffering because they were trying to live for God. So the world we live in today, you know, a lot of times you say, well, you know, it's much worse now than it was back then. I don't know by whose gauge you go by. I just know this, that ever since the fall in the garden, sin has abounded. You know, praise the Lord, grace does that much more abound. But sin abounds and it's always been there's always been a struggle with between the spirit and the flesh now in spite of all that was going on in timothy's day and all the ungodly living interesting that lois and eunice in the midst of the ungodliness listen to me now they still found a way to impact and influence their son and grandson for the lord even during wicked times that's what we're going to do this week these kids you know, and, and some of you are in here are going to be involved in different aspects. Listen, I, I didn't, people ask me, they're like, Pastor, my wife said to me, you went overboard, hon. I mean, it's just a little castle, you know. And, you know, now, when we started talking about Vacation Bible School, if some of you ladies that were here remember, if you go out in the foyer, I don't know if you noticed, but that castle that's out in the foyer, that was the castle that was used for the ladies' spring event like a year ago. How many of you remember that castle? And that's the castle that we were going to use on the platform. And when I got to looking at that, I'm like, no, no, that's a little princess castle. This is a man's castle right here, you know. I can't put that little princess thing up here. We got to have something where there's a drawbridge. If we're going over the moat, we got to have the whole thing. You know, my wife's like, "Hun, seriously, you know, you you get carried away." Yeah, you know why I do? Because I didn't get saved till I was twenty. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know anything about God. I didn't. I was never in a youth department. I never had a youth pastor. Never went to camp. And everything I do for kids, I want to do it. 150% because I want them to be excited about the things of God. So sue me. But I, honestly, I, I want these kids to come in here and get, look, do you want a kid to get excited about God or the world? You know, I choose that I want them to get excited about the house of God, what happens at the house of God, learning the word of God. And that's what, that's what Lois and Eunice were doing for Timothy was they were directing his heart 
towards the Lord. Now, how did they do that? Let me give you a couple ways that they did that. And by the way, how this the same way they did it is the same way we can do it for our children. Now, my children are grown. You know, now guess what? They're still my children, even though they're grown. But, you know, I have grandchildren, maybe someday, Lord willing, maybe some great-grandchildren, I don't know. But <clears throat> there's always someone to influence. Uh, these boys and girls come in here, many of these boys and girls this week for Vacation Bible School, guess what? Before they come to Vacation Bible School, maybe their mommy and daddy just had an argument. Maybe their dad left the house two years ago and they haven't seen him since. We have no idea what these children face, what they go through. And, and what we need to do is ask God to give us the patience and the grace to work with these boys and girls because somewhere they need to see a godly influence because they're not going to see it outside the confines of this church house. And so notice the first way that they influenced Timothy was they influenced him through the scriptures, through the scriptures. Look again in verse 15. Here's what it says. From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. See, the word of God, the scriptures lay out for us the structural boundaries for the home. Notice, first of all, the scriptures provide structure. Let me ask you this question. Simple question, not a trick question. What's the opposite of a structured home? <laughs> Uh, that'd basically be most homes today. The children are running the home, right? You know, nobody sits at the table and eats like a meal of a family anymore at mealtime. Television's always on. Halftime, they don't know where the parent is or they don't know where the kids are, right? That's, that's, that's the world, that's the homes that many children are growing up in. And you know what children need? They need structure. Guess what? Can you imagine vacation Bible school tomorrow night? The kids come in and we have no plan. Be great, wouldn't it, Brother Tim? Hey, listen, let's just do whatever, you know, climb the walls, you know, just have a ball, run around for about two hours, and then we'll send you home, you know? No, you got to have structure. And guess what? It doesn't end when you're a child either. We always need structure. You know, I, I like to have structure. Now, I don't. I don't want to be so structured, especially here at church, that I, you know, I don't want to cut out the opportunity for the Holy Spirit if God decides he wants to change something up. Sometimes I'll say to Brother Kenny, hey, let's not sing that song. Let's do this. You know, uh, we, I come up here every week, and I have what we call a cue card that's got the, the structure of the service. You know, again, if I didn't have that, Brother Kenny kind of look over at me like, what do you want to sing now, Pastor? You know, and you guys would be like, yeah, what kind of church is this? You with me? So you have to have some structure. So notice the Bible says, train up a child, notice the words, in the way he should go. Well, who, who's going to provide that way? Well, look, I might have my way of raising my children, but the best way to raise them is, is in the ways of God. We need to raise them for the Lord. And the Bible says if we do, when he's old, he will not depart from it. Look, Christ-like character is developed through structured training. Uh, you can't just, you, you, look, you can't just tell a child to make their bed. Now, we, we've tried that, you know. We, we tried over the years, you know, tell our kids, hey, go make your bed. 
about an hour later, you walk by the room and it's still unmade. You have to, you have to show them. You have to train them. You have to teach them. When it comes to reading your Bible, you can't just tell your child to read, your, read their Bible. Uh, they have to learn. But Timothy saw his mother and saw his grandmother reading their Bible. Do your children ever see you reading your Bible? Uh, spending time in the Word of God, they, they, they have to be uh, taught. Look, somebody said you have to show a child what you expect, instructing them, helping them along the way. Allow practice on their own. Look, let them make the bed. You know, sometimes I make the bed and then my wife comes in and goes, okay, and then she remakes the bed. Because I never make the bed the way she makes the bed. And I'm a grown man, you know. Now, it looks fine to me. I mean, I, my side of the covers are hanging all the way to the floor and hers are not. But I can't see her side from my side, right? You know. And, you know, my wife, she, my daughters will clean the house and my wife will come home and she's, she'll start cleaning. And I'll say, what are you doing? They just cleaned the house. But none of my children to this day clean the house like my wife does, you know. And so Lois and Eunice, what they did was they showed uh, Timothy, and they allowed him to practice, and then watch this. They inspected him, and then they corrected some of the things. Now, that's part of being a parent, is it's influencing from the Word of God. We have to show them so that they get it right. Again, the Bible says, Thou hast known from a child the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. We want to help them to understand what is right and what is wrong. So make sure your children see the boundaries in their home life, that here's the key, are in accordance to the Scriptures. See, the structure provided is from the Word of God. You know, your children, they should... Now, look, it's okay for a child to say uh, to, your, to either you or your wife, hey, listen, Dad, why do we do this? And then for me to be able to take the Word of God and show them and explain to them why we do things the way we do. Because this is what the Word of God says. Now, let me illustrate this. Notice letter B. Not only do they provide structure, but the Scriptures provide standards. Now, I'll say a few things here, and, and this is really from my heart, but it's from the Word of God, is how does a parent know where to place boundaries and where to set up what's called a standard, okay? Now, let me give you a little bit here, and hopefully you'll understand this, but a lot of homes have standards, but many times those standards are misunderstood. The children don't really fully understand something that a parent has established, okay? And I'll define some of these here for you if they're new terms to you. But parents should choose standards, and here's the key, that are based on biblical truth. Okay, let me say that again. You need to establish some standards that are based on biblical truth. Okay, let me, let me illustrate. The sequence of establishing standards, okay, here it is. You got that little triangle thing there on your, there you go, put that up there. And go ahead and throw all those in there if you would, okay, now. There should be one more. There you go. So notice it works from the bottom up. Okay, so the bottom is a Bible command, and then you have a principle, and then you have a standard. Okay, so I'll let you fill in all your little blanks so you got your triangle so that you get your money's worth all right, out of Sunday school. Okay, I want to make sure you got what you paid for. Okay, so the bottom line is what two words? Bible command. Let's say it. What is it? Bible command, and then on top of a biblical command is what? 
principle, and then on top of that is what? Standard. Standard all right. How many of you this is uh, this is something you've you've seen or heard before? Okay, not not many of you have. All right, that's good. We're, we got a new audience here. That way, if I make a mistake, I'm good. All right, nobody knows it. Okay, now. Let me define each one of these, okay? So let's start with a command. Here's what a command is. It's a spelled out instruction or a principle from the Word of God. A spelled out instruction or a principle from the Word of God. So what what I'm going to do is I'm going to take, because remember, we're building these, these are Bible commands. So we're getting them from where? Very good. You're a smart crowd this morning, all right? Now, here's the the verse I'm going to use. Now, I'm going to use this verse not only for the Bible command, but for the principle, for the standard, okay? Now, look at me for a second. I'm going to use this one as an example. And what you need to realize is that as a parent or influencing children is there are many Bible commands that you can then develop a principle and standards for your home. You with me so far? Okay, so I'm just using this one as an example. So here's the verses there in your notes, 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, but as he which hath called you is what? Okay, now watch this. So be ye what? In how many things? All manner of conversation. That's not, that's not just talking about what we say. That's about how we live our lives. And then he says here, because it is written. Well, where is it written? In the Bible. And here's what God wrote in the Word of God. Here's what it says. Be ye holy for what? I am holy. So is God a holy God? Does God want His children, His people to be holy? Would you say that's a Bible command? Okay, look at the definition again. It says it's a spelled out instruction or principle from the Word of God. Did God spell that out in the Word of God? Absolutely, right? Now, here's the thing is, when you look at that, from that command, okay, there's the command, God wants us to be holy. So from that command, we can draw a principle. Now here's a definition, simple definition of what a principle is. Is a principle covers specific issues that are addressed on a large scale in the Word of God. Let me say that again. They are uh, specific issues that are addressed on a larger scale in the Scripture. So if we go back to 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, God says, I am holy, therefore be holy. And we take that biblical command, then from that we draw a principle of holiness, right? Would that be fair to say that God wants us to be holy, right? So what we need to do is establish a principle of holiness. Now, here's what I put down is that our lifestyle should reflect the holiness of God and you and I as God's children should be separated from what is ungodly. Is that a fair statement? Right? So look, if something, if God is holy and he says, be ye holy, then the principle that I can draw from that biblical command is, is God wants me to stay away from that which is ungodly. Right? That's a principle. Now, does it say that in the word of God? Yes or no? No, it doesn't say that word for word, but there are many, like, how about this? Does the Bible say, abstain from all appearance of evil. Does it say that? Yeah. Well, all appearance of evil, anything that's evil is ungodly, right? Okay. So what God is saying to me is the, 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 the Bible command is I'm holy, be ye holy. That's a command. It's not a suggestion. 
It's a command from the Word of God. So I can draw a principle for my home and to influence my children is we're going we're gonna to live a godly lifestyle, not an ungodly lifestyle. Okay. Now watch this. The third thing is from a principle, then we can establish some standards. Okay? That's the last thing that you see here. Now what is a standard? Well, standards that we develop bring the original command into direct contact with our daily living. See, children have to see, okay, I see that in the Bible, but how does that affect me? How does that affect my life? How does, how does that change our home? In other words, what kind of influence are we going to have on our children? So from the principle of holiness, now I'm going to give you some standards. Now listen to me, look at me. What I'm going to give you may be, may be some standards that I might establish for my home. I'm not telling you what standards to establish for your home. Now, I might be dogmatic and tell you that the Bible says, I am holy, therefore be ye holy, because that's a command from the Word of God. But you have to decide from a Bible command some principles to live by and to establish some standards for your home. You guys all with me this morning? Okay. Now, here's some... Here's some standards that, that might help. You might want to establish some standards related to music. Because not all music is godly music. Would you agree? Some music is very ungodly. Uh, you might establish some standards along this line of holiness with relationships. Believe it or not, we actually told our children who they could be friends with and who they couldn't be friends with. Man, we were controlling parents. It's like living in a stalag when our children, they're like, man, mom and dad, we can't be friends with anybody. Yeah, that's right, because God gave me the opportunity to be your parent. And so there are times, well, look, would you agree as, a, as an adult, as a parent, that God's given you discernment and wisdom that you see things in kids that they can't see? So sometimes I might even, when it comes to relationships, there were, there were boys, ugly, stupid boys that wanted to date my daughters. And guess what? I said no. You know? And I, I did let three boys into my house, you know? And two of them are sitting here this morning. And so <clears throat> I didn't say they were ugly and stupid, but they, I allowed them into my house. So here's the thing is, is that, you know, you can establish, how about this, entertainment. Some entertainment is godly, some is not godly. So as a result, you and I can develop a standard when it comes to entertainment. Now, look, I could go on and on. I'm just trying to give you an example because I want you to see that from a Bible command, we establish principles for our home, and then once we establish those principles, then we can establish some standards that come. Everything is connected to that Bible command, right? Okay, That's what I want you to see. Now, the point is, is that these, and, and this is the word kids hate, these rules. That's how, they look, that's how they look at them a lot of times. Now remember, here's a statement that helped me years ago. Rules without a relationship breed rebellion. See, there has to be a relationship with the Lord. But when you start establishing some standards in your home, these rules go back to that biblical principle. When you study the scriptures, here's what you need to do as someone that would influence the heart of a child is you need to ask God for wisdom to guide your family to establish the right boundaries that come from God's Word. And the reason I establish these boundaries for my home is why? To protect them. You know, it's like I tell my, when my kids were little, I told them the same thing my mom and dad told me. Don't play in the street. 
Now, my mom and dad didn't need a biblical command for that. You know, they just, it just makes sense. But you want to protect your children. But if we're talking about a godly home, we need to develop standards and understand that godly people land at different places in their application of biblical principles. Look, at, look here. I knew, I knew a guy, and I could give you a lot of examples. I'll just give you this one. <laughs> I knew a guy years ago. He would not go out to eat on Sundays. And I asked him one day, I said, and I didn't have a problem with that because that was something he established. I, I asked him, I said, now, can I ask you a question? Why do you do that? And he goes, because if I go out to eat on Sunday, he says, I'm making people work and it's the Lord's day. And so I choose not to go out to eat because I don't want to be a part of that causing people to have to work on the Lord's day. I knew somebody that wouldn't read the newspaper on Sunday. Now, sometimes we might look at certain people, we might think, man, that's kind of fanatic. Listen, I never make fun of anybody's standards or principles. It, 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 that's not my place. My place is to, be, to influence my children. You with me? I told Brother Kenny, I said, look, you are not in that youth group back there to be the parent of those teenagers. You let those parents be the parents. Now, what he could do is provide some biblical commands and some principles but again, it's up to the parent to be the parent. And we need to see how different people are different places. And we have to be careful. Listen now, be careful about measuring someone's spirituality by their high standards or judging them for what you consider to be low standards. And here's why. Because one day, every one of us will stand before the Lord and give an account. I'm not going to give an account for Tim Chadwick. I'm going to give an account for Dane Keeley. And so we need to see how important it is. You look in the Bible, you see a lot of things. Uh, wise, wise parents teach their children uh, this matter of some of these principles. They teach them how to think biblically and the process behind it. But look, there's some examples in the Word of God, some parents that didn't do that. Remember Eli the priest? Man, you remember his two sons? Now, look, I'm not going to take every priest and throw them under the bus because of what Eli did. Now, sad to say, he, he, God, God immortalized him in the Word of God, and, and we know what happened with his sons as a result of his poor leadership in the home. But look, he didn't have godly standards in his home, or maybe he just didn't enforce them, and his sons turned out uh, in a bad way. Somebody said, listen to this, to our forefathers, the Christian faith was an experience. Our forefathers. But then they said, to our fathers, it was an inheritance. To our generation, those of us that are raising children now, it's, it, he says it, is, it was a convenience. And to our children, Christianity is a nuisance. That's the way a lot of kids look at the Christian faith nowadays. They believe it's a nuisance, but God's word is not a nuisance. You know what it is? It's a guidebook for life. And children need structure. Why did Timothy turn out the way he did? Look, yeah, Paul influenced his life, but look, I'm going to tell you, long before Timothy met Paul, guess what? Lois and Eunice were there. They had taught, they had instructed him from the Word of God, and we need to help our children to learn to apply the Bible. See, we need to influence them from the Scriptures. But notice, secondly, we also need to influence them through salvation. Now, somewhere along the way, Lois and Eunice's faith in Christ became Timothy's. Uh, he came to know the same God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.15, 
the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Now, the Lord wants children to come to Christ. Uh, you know, you, the old preacher said, God has no grandchildren. He only has children. You think about that. You know, everyone that comes, the Bible says that we are sons of God. We are children of God. And so let me give you quickly uh, some practical ways, a guide to discern if your child is ready to be saved. Because sometimes as a parent, we're like, well, how do we know? Now, some of us are going to be working with children when it comes this week at Vacation Bible School. And we want to make sure we deal with children in a proper way, a tender way. But here's a couple of thoughts. You know, I, I, first of all, keep it simple. You know, a lot of times we just try to complicate it when it comes to a child. But keep it very simple. Use terminology that, that you won't lose a child. And again, consider the age that you're dealing with. It's kind of like five-year-old Brian. He was going to be in an, in an Easter play at school. And uh, they gave him this line that was where he was supposed to recite uh, Luke 24, 6, where the Bible says, he is not here, he is risen. So it got to his part, and, and it was time for him to say, he is not here, he is risen. And he said, he is not here, he is in prison. You know, And so, look, we've got to keep it simple because children's minds are very simplistic. So look at a second way to help us see if your child is ready to be saved is emphasize the basics. You know what a basic is? That they know who Jesus is. If they don't know who Jesus is, they're not ready to be saved. You know, if they know what sin is. Now, again, they're going to explain it the way a child does. Number three, ask questions. And when you ask questions to a child, don't use leading questions, especially ones where they can just answer yes or no. You know, make sure they, that, that they are able to talk about it. Questions probe. Number four, watch for a spiritual desire to be saved. Don't push a child, okay? The desire should be there. God should be working in their heart. Number four, watch for a spiritual desire to be saved. Number five, let the child tell you when they got saved. They should, even as a child, they should be able to tell you when they got saved. They may not know the exact place. Some of us don't. Uh, but again, they should be able to tell you. Number six, follow, the, follow a child's salvation with believer's baptism. You know, you don't have to push a child but don't, a lot of times as parents, what we do is we put it off. Teach a child from the scriptures that when a person is saved, they follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And, and a lot of times I, I help people, to, even children, to understand that's the next step in the life of a believer. It's a step of obedience. See, God can't bless. If you're here this morning and you're saved and you're not baptized, God can't bless someone who's not going to obey in the area of, of following the Lord in believer's baptism much less bless you in other areas of your life. And so if, if you haven't been baptized, that would be the, the thing for you to do. And number seven, don't be embarrassed with a later need for assurance. If a child later on, and I think my wife, when she was younger, she kind of went through this period. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. The main thing is that they know for sure, without a shadow of a doubt. Now, you, you know, it, you don't want to confuse them and say, well, listen, you need to be saved. Maybe they really were saved, and you're just giving them verses and, and the understanding of reassurance or sometimes just assurance that they really are saved. So salvation is something that provides an eternal home because the Bible says God so loved the world. But notice salvation provides the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, we, we can't always be with our children, can we? But the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit can be with them. It says, the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. There's no greater way to influence a child than to help them to come to Jesus. 
And that's what Lois and Eunice did, is they helped Timothy through the scriptures, and then they helped him through salvation to influence him. And number three, we can influence through a godly spirit, a godly spirit. You ever been around somebody that has a spirit that's contagious? You know, whether it's a happy one or not a happy one. But people's spirits do rub off on those around them. Uh, uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother, they had a spirit. Look what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 and verse number 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that's in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I'm persuaded that it's in thee also. See, they didn't just instruct Timothy. You know what they did? They impacted him. They made a difference in Timothy's life. There was a unity between what they said and what they displayed. Did you hear that, moms and dads? What they said and what they displayed. They need to go hand in hand. So notice, first of all, their spirit was one of being positive. I love about Daniel. The Bible says he had an excellent spirit was in him. You know, think about this. This, this young boy was taken into captivity, and he had an excellent spirit. Just think about that. Uh, you know, you, things might not go well at work tomorrow, but guess what? You can still have an excellent spirit. And that's what Timothy saw in his mother and his grandmother. They modeled like Daniel did, an excellent spirit uh, in the world around. Look, parents, your spirit has a large influence on your child. Paul said in Philippians 4.9, those things which you have both learned and received, and watch this, and heard and seen in me do. There you go. Have the right spirit. Have a positive spirit. And then notice their spirit is one to be prayerful also. Not just positive, but prayerful. Prayer is so vital, especially for your children. Pray for them. Pray for their hearts and their minds and that you'd have the right influence. The Bible says, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you. Your children need to know that you're praying for them. Pray for them constantly. They, they, they will do what they see in you, uh, your actions, your attitude. You're constantly influencing their hearts by the temperature of your spirit. And may our spirits be right with God. See, now is the time to teach our children while they're young. Remember the Bible says, train up a child in the way that they should go. Your time for influence will not last forever, but the, the impact of your influence that you invest now will last forever. Hey, it, it did in Timothy's life. Timothy had that with him. So here's what I want you to do is, I want you to think about this lesson, and I want you to, to maybe bring this lesson with you next Sunday, but do the homework. Remember, if we're going to make homework, we got to do the homework, all right? I gave you some questions. I want you to go back over the lesson, and then next week we're going to continue this on having the right kind of influence in the lives of children, all right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word of God that does make us wise unto salvation. Lord, help us to have the right kind of influence in those that we have an opportunity to influence. Lord, we do pray for children, God, that their lives would be directed in the right way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.